Hello, everyone, and welcome to the fourth episode of the Wormbrenner Podcast. I'm your host, Justin, and for this week, we are going to be covering a little bit closer to home this episode since everything going on around the world has slightly calmed down and there isn't as much news going on. And I want to focus on the league that this podcast was really and truly made for as well as wrapping up with a breakdown of the Italian League to wrap up our League Explained this week. If you have not already, check out our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash the Wormburner Podcast. And if you have not already, check out our page, the-wormburner-podcast.captivate.fm. Again, that is the-wormburner-podcast.captivate.fm. If you haven't shared it with your friends or family, I hope that they would enjoy it as well as you do. And let's go ahead and get into today's episode. So for this week, wrapping up all of the things going on around the world with Chelsea, with going on in Mexico, as well as what's going on in Ukraine, I really want to get back to where this podcast is really and truly made for, which, as I said before, is for the MLS. The new MLS season has kicked off already, and there have been some two massive pieces of news or there have been two massive pieces of news that I really wanted to cover this week on the Wormburner podcast. So the first thing is that Charlotte FC, the new kids on the block or the new boys on the block, I really should say, they ended up breaking the MLS attendance record set previously by Atlanta United. And it's not a small number at all. 74,400 people, I think it's like 457 or 59, something along those lines, attended Charlotte FC's first game, which is a mental number. I remember seeing those numbers from like England and from Germany and all of these other countries, and for once... The United States is actually putting up numbers and attendance for these other games that are going on around the world for these big clubs and these big leagues. Now, saying the average attendance is most likely going up with these numbers also needs to be said as well. But with this being the new record overall, I am ecstatic for what the MLS is going to be bringing this year there is just this vibe about this year that a lot of people are just now picking up on and and soccer is gaining a lot of traction here in the United States I'm not entirely sure what it is and there's just been going there's been so much going on that I'm just ecstatic with everything going on soccer related here in the states I'm just so, so, so excited. As well as the other bit of news, Charlotte FC again on the news block this past weekend. They ended up getting their first win in club history in the MLS. And it wasn't a small feat at all. Not only did they get their first win in the MLS, but they beat the defending supporter shield champions New England Revolution which, if you remember from our previous episode, the Supporter Shield champion is awarded to the team with the best overall record in the MLS at the end of the season, which is essentially the equivalent of the Barclays Premier League champion without playoffs, basically. But the MLS has playoffs, which 
alters the champion just a tiny bit. That's not a small feat at all for Charlotte to do, to beat a champion like that in their first win. And it wasn't a small a small one-goal game. No, this was a convincing win. It was a very convincing win. New England just could not convert their chances at all, and Charlotte made them pay for all of it. It was a phenomenal game, one that just being a supporter of underdogs in general was a very entertaining game to watch. Whenever there is an underdog or an upset itself in soccer, I I always get enthused as a soccer fan. I'm sure if you guys follow the Facebook page, you'd seen when Communication beat the Colorado Rapids. It was just an unbelievable game just in general for me to watch. I was so happy because I always love an upset. I always love an upset. But as an American, I was just like, really, guys? Like, really? So it was a bit of a mixed bag for me. But anyways... I never, ever shy away from a good underdog game, and that was definitely that game. Charlotte against New England Revolution. I highly advise if anybody wants to go back and watch that game entirely or even watch the highlights, it is 100% worth it. Charlotte FC are, are becoming a very good team in the MLS, I think. it Based off that win, if they can keep up the run of form that... I feel that they're going to have after that win. That's like I said, that's not a small win at all. You're going against a previous year champion with the supporter shield championship. That's not that's not a small feat at all. So I'm I'm thinking that Charlotte's going to run this wave of form maybe. We'll we'll see. Only time will tell when it comes to soccer. That's that seems like the saying nowadays in in my podcast, but Charlotte is going to be a really good team, I think, if they keep this run of form up. Now, going into the Eastern and Western Conferences standings as of week four of the MLS season, in the Eastern Conference we have Philadelphia Union on top with 10 points with three wins and one draw. Then we've got in second place the Columbus Crew with two wins, two draws, and eight points. In third place, we have the Chicago Fire with two wins, two draws, and eight points as well. We've got the New York Red Bulls sitting in fourth place with seven points, two wins, one draw, and one loss. We've got Orlando City in fifth place with seven points, two wins, one draw, and one loss. In sixth place, we've got Atlanta United with seven points as well with two wins, one draw, and one loss. And then rounding out the playoff positions for the Eastern Conference is D.C. United in seventh with six points, and two wins, zero draws, and two losses. Going over to the Western Conference, we've got L.A. FC in first place with 10 points, three wins, and one draw. We've got, with also 10 points, Real Salt Lake in second place with three wins, one draw, zero losses. In the third place position in the Western Conference, we have a bit of a shock considering the recent activity in recent years of this club. Minnesota United has two wins, two draws, and sitting on eight points. You've also got, again, the new boys on the block, Austin FC, in fourth place in the Western Conference with seven points, two wins, one draw, and one loss. We've got also sitting on seven points, FC Dallas in fifth, with two wins, one draw, and one loss. We've got, in with seven points as well, 
Colorado Rapids in 6th place with 2 wins, 1 draw, and 1 loss. And rounding out the playoff positions in the Western Conference, we have sitting on 6 points, LA Galaxy in 7th with 2 wins, 0 draws, and 2 losses. That is going to wrap up the Eastern and Western Conference roundup for this week, as well as the little news tidbit going over the previous four weeks. There hasn't really been too much going on other than Shakiri, which is the designated player for the Chicago Fire, scoring his first goal this past week. There hasn't really been anything else of note in the MLS, at least that's been on my radar. If you feel like that there's something that needs to be said, go ahead and put it on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash the Wormburner podcast. And going into the next section, let's go ahead and go over the Italian league. There's a bit of juicy material, let's just say, because there's been some scandals in Italy, and let's go ahead and go over that. All right, so for the league breakdown this week, we are going to be going over the Italian league, Serie A. I am so excited for this one because this is a bit of a different bag of information for all of you because there is a dominant winner when it comes to the league and the cup, but there is something that has happened in the Italian league that has not happened to this large of a scale for the other leagues, the other big leagues around the world. So to start off, the concept of Serie A first started in 1898 with a bunch of regional championships then going on to compete against each other to see who the best was in Italy. But of course, like Spain, and like these other regions like Brazil, they ended up creating a unified league to basically filter out all of these teams and basically unify the entire league system. They did that in 1929, and it has been the same ever since. There has been one defining team that has been the leader of this league, and that is Juventus with 36 titles over this stretch of the Italian league being created, formally created in 1929. Now, an interesting tidbit that needs to be said, nine of those 36 titles have come within the past 10 years in Italy, which is amazing considering the fact that Juventus's lead with 36 titles is only matched by Inter Milan, which they have 19 titles under their name in second place. In third place, you have AC Milan, which is the other Milan team, of course. Then in fourth place, you have Genoa with nine titles and then a three-way tie for fifth place with seven titles. You have Torino, Bologna, and Pro Vercelli with seven titles. Again, like I said, interesting tidbit researching this league. Pro Vercelli are currently playing still in the third division of the Italian league, yet they are in, they're tied for fifth place for the most Serie A titles in the history of the competition. I find that absolutely fascinating that 
again, this this is such a competitive league, really. Like I was saying with Brazil last week, this is this team is is still on the record books within the top five of Serie A, and they're in the third division. Who knows? Maybe they might be able to bring back and and come back to the Serie A. Who knows? You never know. Crazier things have happened. Now for the domestic title that is in Italy, which is the Coppa Italia. The Coppa Italia was created in 1922. And again, there is another clear winner when it comes to this competition. It is, of course, again, Juventus with 14 titles under their belt. In second place, you have Roma with 9 title wins. Internazionale Milan with 7 in third place. Lazio with 7, tying Milan, Inter Milan, for fourth place. And then in a tie for fifth place with six titles is Napoli and Fiorentina, showing the overall competitiveness of the league in general in this area. It's an unbelievable thing, honestly, because even though, yes, there is a clear and defining winner, there are so many other teams that have won the league or the cup that you can't really say for sure that the this team is going to win the league this year or maybe 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 not. You've also with the league titles themselves not even including the top 5 that I've already stated you have Roma, Lazio, Fiorentina, Napoli, Cagliari, Hellas Verona and Sampdoria have won league titles as well. It's just crazy how competitive this league really and truly is. It it never really shows other than Juventus itself who the real dominant force it's always been between a multitude of different clubs and Juventus has really only gained the power that they have in recent years as I've stated before the previous nine titles that they have out of their 36 came within the last 10 years so it really shows you how recent Juventus has really been able to dominate themselves in the Italian league so with that, I want to go into the rivalries in Italy. There are a couple that I really want to highlight. One of them is definitely the Milan derby between AC Milan and Inter Milan. This, of course, is always a highly contested rivalry. And coming up into the later half of the Italian league this season, it's going to be a, a fight down to the final overall points, possibly, for the league title this year. Of course, Juventus is not most likely not going to win the title this year. I don't know if it's been mathematically ruled out for them not to win, but AC and Inter are really going at it this season. I know that the second game of the Milan Derby has already been played, so it's really going to come down to who is going to be the better team in form later on this season. The other derby I really wanted to highlight is the Derby de, de Capital, which is Lazio and Roma. This has not been a highly contested rivalry in the terms of titles per se recently, although this is of course a highly contested derby in itself being a geographical rivalry itself, both teams being located in the capital. It has been, it has had scenes of violence 
thankfully not recently. I think the latest form of violence within this rivalry happened in 2002. I hope that it never does happen again and fans of both of, both of these teams are able to actually come together and, and actually see the game that they actually want to see. I know that many of these clubs like these other big rivalries in these big leagues. They would rather have a win over their rival than a league title. It's just that dead level of dedication that is just so admirable to me. With the final bit of the rivalries, I wanted to just go ahead and dedicate it to pretty much everybody against Juventus. I feel like it's a bit redundant, but Juventus is the d dominating force in Italy, and they have a rivalry with pretty much everyone. Torino with their geographical rival. Then you've also got the rivalry with Internazionale, Milan and Juventus. You've also got AC Milan versus Juventus. You have Fiorentina against Juventus, and you've also got Napoli versus Juventus. Those are the big teams in Italy having a rivalry with Juventus. That rounds up our rivalries. Now, going into a very interesting tidbit that I've been slowly hinting at earlier in the episode. Teams that have never been relegated from Serie A in their close to 95-year history, there's only one team that has never been relegated, and it's not who you think it is. It's actually Inter Milan has never been relegated in Serie A. Juventus has. Even though they are the dominant power in Italy, they've been relegated. I know that some of you might be thinking, Justin, why was Juventus relegated? Or how did how did this dominant power in Italy get relegated from the Serie A? Well, that leads us to our interesting fact of the week, the Calcinopoli scandal. The Calcinopoli scandal in Serie A was basically a match-fixing scandal of a massive proportion. It affected five teams that tried to essentially bribe refs to get favorable matches to help gain or better their position in the league. These teams affected were Regina, Lazio, Fiorentina, AC Milan, and Juventus. Juventus being the hardest hit out of all the teams with the punishment being given out by Serie A. So going over the other teams, Regina was given a 100,000 euro fine, and the club president was personally fined 30,000 euros and banned from football for two and a half years. Lazio was kicked out of the UEFA Cup or the Europa League is what it's called now for the 2006-07 season. Yeah, Gauchinopoli was that recent. <laughs> it happened in 2005, the 2004-2000 or I'm sorry, 2005-2006 season. So Lazio was kicked out of the UEFA Cup for the 2006-07 season and they had two games played behind closed doors, so all match revenue was lost for those two games. Fiorentina was 
kicked out of their continental competition as well, which was the UEFA Champions League that year. And they also had to play two games behind closed doors, again losing their match revenue. AC Milan actually had a big hit from this scandal, not to bring down the severity of what happened, but AC Milan was ducted 30 points from the 2005-06 season, which was the season in which Calcinopoli happened, and they had to play one home game behind closed doors, again losing that match day revenue. Now, going to Juventus. Juventus was hit with the largest punishment out of these five teams. They were stripped of their 04 and 05 title. They were downgraded to last place in the 2005-06 season and were relegated to the second division in Italy. The title was then given to Internazionale Milan or Inter Milan and Juventus was relegated. That was an unbelievable punishment. It's it's something to me personally it makes me wonder if Calcinopoli didn't happen would Juventus have ever been relegated? It I don't think so. Personally, I don't think so. They have such a large standing and and dominant grip on the Italian league. I don't think they would have been relegated. That's just personally for me, but Calcinopoli was a massive scandal and one that the soccer world had really and truly never seen to this scale before, and that's why it was our interesting fact of the week this week. Before we round up this week, let's go ahead and do our extra man advice of the week. So our extra man advice of the week this week is going to entail advice to help get you noticed in soccer tryouts as well as just again improving your overall game in general seems simple enough but use your outside voice use your voice when you're playing soccer that's something that I know that there are people that I've played with that they never used their voice at all they expected you to know things telepathically when you've never played with them ever period And it's just an unbelievable request to even ask or obtain that you have to telepathically know what someone wants or how they want a ball passed to them. It's just unbelievable that people even expect that. I know that when it comes to teams, they can get to that pathological stage where they don't have to say anything and they know where their teammates are going to be, where how they want to particular pass so on and so forth but to expect that off of the first time playing with somebody that's just not going to happen it's it's a pipe dream that's it's just not going to happen so when you are in tryouts when you are first starting within the first couple weeks of your training or being with a new team or even for pickup soccer in general use your voice explain how you want things where you want it it there are always short verbal things that you can say track back when you think that somebody went too far forward track back to help defend you can also say lob it over or something along those lines putting it over the defensive line to 
run on to or just say here 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 just to let you know, let your teammate know that you're there be vocal don't be scared don't be all timid when it comes to your voice playing soccer be vocal let them know hey i'm here hey i'm here let let them know somebody's behind you something along those lines there are always short commands when it comes to soccer in general be vocal always 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 be vocal so that is going to wrap up our episode four for the worm burner podcast i hope you guys enjoyed it thank you thank you a million times thank you for making it to the end of this episode if you have not already go ahead and like us on facebook facebook.com forward slash the worm burner podcast and if you have not already check out our website the dash worm burner dash podcast dot captivate dot fm if you know anybody that would enjoy this share it with them and and maybe even listen to it with them for this episode i hope you guys have a phenomenal week until the next episode stay safe have fun love soccer and i'll see you guys next week ciao everyone